Welcome back to The Outpost, Liberal Arts in the Last Frontier, a podcast exploring classical education in philosophy and praxis and highlighting the work of students at Holy Rosary Academy, Alaska's only K-12 Catholic classical school. We were planning to talk with parents today, but it's a busy time of year and we've had a bunch of scheduling snafus. So instead, I'm joined today by two of my colleagues in the upper school, Mr. Spencer Hodgson and Mr. Dylan Murray. Why don't you guys take a minute to tell us a bit about yourselves? Thanks, Kayleen. I'm Spencer Hodgson. I have been teaching at Holy Rosary for three years now, and it's just been a a great experience. As far as my background, I grew up here in Anchorage, Alaska, and this is my home. So I've been here basically since, since I was very young and went through public high school here in Anchorage. And then I went to a school in Minnesota that was a liberal arts school and studied psychology and religion. And I just, just loved that. But then near the end of my time in college, I started, you know, feeling a call maybe towards the priesthood. And I basically went to seminary for three years and then realized it wasn't what God had in store for me. So I got my degree in psychology and religion. And then I did, you know, almost half of what it would take to be a priest, which was a whole lot of philosophy and then a a decent amount of theology as well. So that was a a great experience and then really important in my background. And so I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of bring that up a little bit more again later on too. It's great to be here, Kayleen. I am Thomas Dylan Murray, but everyone just calls me Dylan, so that's what you can call me as well. I grew up in Michigan, and I went through a K through twelve classical school actually. So it's kind of like coming back home, except for halfway across the country. After going to a classical school and really immersing myself in the great books and the Western tradition, I decided I wanted to go to a college that really did that as well. And in college, I studied both philosophy and theology, something that was new since I hadn't studied Catholic theology before. While at college, I realized that I was interested in being a teacher due to all these late nights I had teaching my fellow students during finals week, all the things that we had learned over the past semester. So afterwards, I was looking for a place to work, a place to teach, and I heard about a really unique, wonderful school in Anchorage, Alaska, and decided to give it a try. This is now my third year teaching here, and I have taught everything from Latin, from seventh graders, all the way to the writing program for seniors. So I've really covered a full breadth of the curriculum. I guess I'll say something about myself too, since I I haven't yet. I grew up in Seattle. I went to college in the Midwest, where I studied theology and secondary education. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher basically since high school, and uh, now I actually am one, which is great. So I did my undergrad degree in theology, and then I did a master's degree also in theology. Spent some time teaching in the Midwest for a few years. Went and discerned religious life, left religious life, and then knew that I wanted to be part of a classical school. Found my way up here to Alaska, and then same thing as you guys have taught a little bit of everything. across the curriculum, which has been a great joy. It's been really fun to expand my horizons beyond just my passion, which is theology. So in our first episode, we talked a lot about the formation of the intellect and how classical education and us particularly at Holy Rosary, how we try to do that and what the goals of that are. Then today I wanted to just talk a little bit about the formation of another part of our soul, the will. And this is something that I think to me was really attractive about classical education was that it just was a little bit more holistic and it took the whole person into account in all of our all of our aspects. So today I thought we would talk a little bit about discipline, the role of discipline in our school, and how we use discipline to form the souls of our students, particularly their habits of the will. So let's just talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you guys understand the philosophy of discipline? Holy Rosary, kind of our operating principles. So I think the first thing first is just to say, what exactly do we do in our discipline program? So very similar to the school I grew up in at Holy Rosary Academy here, we have a spectrum. We begin with, we call them the demerits, which is simply a simple infraction. You've got to bring your homework in, you forgot to wear the proper clothes to school. That's just simply a simple reminder saying, hey, you forgot to do this basic thing. After a certain number of those, we say, okay, we have seen a trend happen here and we think we need to do a slightly larger punishment. And then we move on to detentions. 
Easton Mary is not really a big deal. There's no repercussions. It's a simple reminder saying, hey, you forgot to do this thing that we think is important. And over enough time, if we see that continues, then we can build up the punishment to maybe be a little bit more intense. But really, it starts off very small with small gentle reminders. Yeah, I'll just talk a little bit about the, some of the concreteness of demerits, like you were mentioning. Basically, one demerit is one quarter of a detention. You could kind of think, think of it that way. And then even then, we have different types of demerits. And so in some ways, it really allows us to hone in on where are you having issues. And so there are, for the lower school, there are a whole category of just uniform. Whereas for the upper school, we, we kind of put that in with behavioral. But we have behavioral and academic. So when you mentioned not having your homework in, that's one type of demerit. And if you do that four times, you would get an academic detention, which is different than than what the detention would be if it was a behavioral related demerit. So I do think it's important to realize that it's set up in such a way that parents and students and faculty can really all see and understand where is the student needing help? Like where where is their issue and, and, and how do we help them? And so I would say probably for the students, oftentimes academic is probably the easier way to get a demerit because it's simply like, oh, I didn't, I just didn't do this thing. I forgot that thing. Oh, I'm sorry. And then it's like, okay, it's no problem. Turn it in tomorrow. You're going to receive a demerit and partial credit. Whereas with behavioral, it, they need it. Like if it's a behavioral demerit, they deserved it. <laughs> and it's it's pretty much that simple. I do remember giving my first demerit ever when I came to Holy Rosary because I wasn't very familiar with demerits or any type of that stuff from my public school background. And I, I thought it was such a big deal. And even what I first gave was a warning because before we give a demerit, we give a warning, at least throughout the first quarter, basically, to make sure that no student feels like they're, especially if they're new, that they're getting like, what in the world is going on? Like, all of a sudden, I already have a detention at this new school. So it starts out with warning so they understand I can't do that behavior. Or I, I have to bring my homework in every day. It does go home to the parents. And so I think that it's important to realize that although it might feel big, it really is not a huge thing. And that it really helps us to look at the big perspective of, you know, more like overall patterns. We also want to make sure that the punishment fits the actions. So the thing that's really important is because we have these two sets of merits, we also have two different types of detentions. When we have academic detentions uh, from a student for getting to do homework four times or anything along that sort, the punishment is just four or five minutes after school in an area where they can work on their homework. Basically, we want to make time for them to make sure they're getting their homework done, and that's the punishment for academic demerits. Well, as opposed to behavioral demerits, which I think we would all agree on are a much bigger deal, if a student is acting up, we want to have a bigger collection. In that case, they actually come in normally Saturday morning or sometimes after school and they just do work around the campus. Break the leaves or maybe put a new fresh coat of paint on one of the buildings. So I just want to be clear that it's not just a kind of nominal difference between the two types of demerits. That really we are focused in knowing that there is a difference between these two actions and help grow them in that particular area. I think something that made me comfortable with giving demerits was when our principal was talking about our whole discipline plan as formation. Because I was a good kid in school. I never got in trouble, never got a detention. And so as a teacher, handing down discipline is kind of difficult because to me personally, it would be a really big deal if I ever did anything wrong. And I taught at other schools where there's just, there's one consequence for every issue and it's just detention across the board whether your shirt was untucked or whether you cheated on a test like just detention and so when it was presented to us as formation of the human person then i was like okay i actually owe it to my students to give them demerits because they need that correction and i would actually be doing them a disservice if i let them get away with even small things like you know you're kind of consistently forgetting your homework what's going on maybe we need to work on your organization or whatever something like that yeah, I, w I would be actually harming them if I went off in that correction. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think in some ways, demerits can really also be justice too, especially if you notice that there's some issue going on with the student and the other students see it too, and they know that it's not allowed and they just see, let's say it's a locker, a student's locker is just extremely messy and they everyone sees this locker which can't even close and the whole school sees it and walks past it, and they know that it's not allowed and they know that this deserves being fixed and getting a demerit. And it's almost good not just for the student themselves to realize I need to clean my locker more and kind of start to actually develop that good habit and that will to decide, okay, I'm not going to just put this away in random places. I'm going to make sure that it goes neatly where it belongs. But it's also good for the other students to see, yes, we hold everyone accountable to the things that we're holding you accountable to. There is like a, a unifying nature to a demerit in a sense, because it really allows everyone to see we are in this together. We are held to the same rules. And that is really not only good for them, but it's just as well. So demerits are kind of the way that we do this formation of our students on a day-to-day basis. But we also have dawn rags, which happen uh, at the end of the first quarter each year for our high school students specifically, 9, 10, 11, and 12th graders. So let's talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Dawn rags. That's a weird phrase. No one's really sure where the name dawn rags come from. But the way it works is that those teachers gather in a room and a student comes in and takes a seat. And the teachers discuss the student's strengths and weaknesses for a few minutes while the student is listening and taking notes. And then afterwards, the teachers turn to the student and say, do you have any questions or follow-up questions? And that's really the practical matter of how it's made up. But the goal of it is to, one, it's a conversation between the teachers. It really shows just what they need to work on in more of a, in some ways, wholesome manner. We've all been there. We've all had a student come into a parent-teacher conference and sit there and just say, and we sit there and say, here's exactly what you need to work on. And that's kind of hard to hear. It's hard to be told you right there in front of me who I'm talking to, this is what you need to work on. You need to work on bringing your, I don't know, belt to school. But really with Dominic, it's a conversation. And conversations are much easier to hear, much easier to understand. And I've seen great growth in the students from doing that. Yeah, Don Rags is, it's an interesting thing. When I first heard about it, I was like, wait, we're doing what? But now, where, I, where I'm at, I kind of see Don Rags as the, really the prime example of what we're discussing here today, which is the formation of the will and good habits. Because with Don Rags, you can go so much deeper than you can go with simply a demerit. You know, with a demerit, you say, okay, look, you can't do this. Now you know. <laughs> uh, whereas with Don Rags, you can really dive into human character. And it's just a, a, a great blessing. One thing I'd like to say about Don Rags just is it can be very off-putting at first. It's, it's might seem very strange because what happens is the teachers will sit in like a semicircle, they'll face each other, and they'll have a conversation about the student in front of the student. Like, we're not allowed or supposed to look at the student. So it might feel very odd for someone who's, first off, we don't, we don't do this for the middle schoolers, just the high schoolers. So when you're in ninth grade and you come in for your first one and the teachers are literally talking about you in the third person and not looking at you, it might feel very strange. In some ways, that's actually nice because I know myself sometimes if people are telling me an area that I should grow, if they look right at me and say you should grow in this way I feel very out of out of place and I might feel very awkward and I it's even harder to listen because I'm trying to make sure like don't cry <laughs> don't don't smile don't don't look too sad you know like it's there's too much to focus on so it's kind of nice that we don't look at them uh, like I was saying I think that it can really allow us to go deeper into their human character and this is this is a really good thing because in some ways the hardest dawn rags and by hardest I mean the ones that are for the student that they might walk out being like I did not expect that I just got blindsided by all these things areas I need to grow are they're the best students many dawn rags for the students that are having trouble it, it might be something like 
I would encourage you to ask me more questions, <laughs> something like that. Or, hey, you can meet with me after school. We can work on this together. But with the really excellent students, this is where we can really push it even further. And I think that that's something that's really excellent about Donrags is you can say, okay, here's your areas of growth. You're excellent. You do everything well in class, but here's here's the issue. you know. And you can really dive into some areas and, and many of it might be something like you're just not pushing yourself. Like you are doing very well. You are the best student in the class. Well, you wouldn't necessarily say that, but they might be. And you can still go even further and say, but you should be even better than you are. Like I see so much potential and you're not u- utilizing it. You're just allowing yourself to coast through as, you know, simply an A student when you could be doing even more. And so I think that's something really good about Don Rags and something that I've found overlaps with my seminary background. Because to me, Don Rags were very, very similar to seminary formation where you have basically all these priests sitting <laughs> sitting around a table. They, they look at you and discussing you and where you need to grow. And that is a very humbling moment to see priests, your, your format is the people that are that you look up to, that you would like to be like someday. Uh, and they're telling you, here's where you're failing. And they're using four categories to do it. It's it's very intense, but Don Rags is, is a little share of that too. Yeah, I appreciate the most about it that we, we try not to make it about grades. I mean, we'll talk more about academic habits or academic disciplines and how they're doing as far as meeting those standards. But I love the part where we get into how they behave in the hallways, how they treat their classmates, how they interact with younger students, and how they interact with their teachers, et cetera, et cetera. And we can address the more character-based issues because at the end of the day, that's more important than their academic achievement. And so I also really love being able to, sometimes you'll have maybe a student who's sort of middle of the pack, like they're doing okay, or they're not maybe an excellent, the best student. But you can really affirm them for the, the growth that you've seen in other areas. And I thought this year in particular, we had a lot of really fun Don Rags where we had seen so much growth in students over the last maybe two or three years. And we were able to really affirm that in them in the ways that they are continuing to grow into really upstanding young adults. And that is really awesome to be able to see it, first of all, but then to be able to share that with them and with their parents and to say, we're really seeing you becoming excellent. And, and that's awesome. And I think it's good for us as a faculty also to be able to sort of see and share the fruits of that labor with our students and with each other and to rejoice in that. It oftentimes seems like a very nice compliment to the demerit system because while the demerit system tends to be very concrete, such as you forgot to do this, the uh, Donrags oftentimes are more general. We talk about the virtues, a uh, trend, and also you don't normally send home a piece of paper saying, my students who is in 12th grade was a nice student today, therefore you should reward them. We don't oftentimes get the chance to really praise a student to their faces, let alone to their parents. So it's really a unique and wonderful experience. The day before Don Rags for the students, I always ask the students in my class, oh, what do you expect me to talk about? And normally they say the same things. We talk too much. Oh, we don't work hard enough. Oh, we don't do this, that, or this other thing. And they're always very particular, very like, you're going to bring up how I didn't do my homework this one day three weeks ago. It's always a lot of fun to see kind of their expression change and realize, oh, this isn't some sort of like beat up fest. This isn't some sort of let me list all your wrongs for the past two months of the school year. It's really an opportunity for us to affirm them and to really point out things that we normally don't really have an opportunity to do so and really bring up problems that maybe aren't as concrete. I know, for example, for me, I had a student who was the opposite of not trying hard enough, a student who was maybe trying a little bit too hard, beating themselves up over a 98 instead of a 100%. And that's something that is kind of hard to bring up in class, but it's really something that is proper to bring up in Don Rags. And I to bring it up, other teachers were able to affirm, oh yes, Mr. Murray, you've seen the same thing. And really, Don Rags gives us an opportunity as a faculty to come together and to help the students grow in virtue. 
So one thing that, I, that going off what you said, I think is so true and so funny is when giving dawn rags, like we, we don't prepare as a faculty. We each prepare our, what we'd like to say separately. And sometimes you'll think, oh, I found the perfect thing to say. No one else is going to say this. I, I've really like gone deep and I really understand something that I think that they can grow in. It's a good thing for them to grow in that, that maybe they're, they're not expecting. And then you write that down and then you're ready and you, you show up and, and you'll, maybe you, you're like, okay, I'll go last. Like I'll, I'll let somebody else go first. And then like they say exactly your thing. And you're like, what? And then the second person says exactly exactly your thing. And you're like, wait, what? Like everybody, it, but it really does show that all of the faculty is seeing these same trends. And we're like, we're, we're really on a team together to try to help these students grow. And it, it's really kind of beautiful to realize like, wow, especially the non-concrete things, which everyone is can really see, but more of the character level things. It's really interesting when you see, wow, everyone thought the same thing as me. And I just, I had no idea that I, I was not unique. I start to feel sort of like we're all kind of collectively parenting, sort of, because I really like that after Dawn Rags, like the students can't really hide anything, you know, from the teachers. So that like, okay, we were all in that Dawn rag, So we are all aware that you're struggling with this thing. And so it gives us a good opportunity then to hold students accountable to better behavior throughout the rest of the year, because you can check in with them and be like, how's this thing going that, you know, we talked about in the Dawn rag? I'm not really seeing any progress or, or to affirm, like, I'm really seeing, I can tell that you took seriously what we said to you and your dog rag and that's really awesome yeah can can i toss in on a, one more thing i think yeah. something really good about both demerits and dawn rags is the the level of prudential judgment that we are supposed to exercise although there, it, there is a level of with both you know you need to hold students accountable to do x y and z there it's very much flexible that's something i really like about holy rosary is it's not as simple as every time a student doesn't turn in a homework assignment they must receive a demerit for this there are no exceptions it, it doesn't work that way you really do have the prudence to decide when and how to employ both demerits and what and how to say these things during the dawn rags, which I think is really good that we have this flexibility because it allows us to really put the student first and their needs because sometimes they just need a demerit or sometimes they just need to be told in dawn rags, this is what you are doing and you can't do that or you should not do that. But instead, we, we really get to put their needs first and always think, how can I best help the student to grow? What do they most need? And sometimes that's a demerit and sometimes that's just a, a stern talking to. Sometimes that's not even a stern talking to, just a, you know, hey, I noticed you didn't do this and I'm wondering, is everything okay? And I think that's really good about our system. Mr. Hodgson, you have one more thing. Yes. Okay. This, I think, was something that is really important that we haven't yet mentioned to contextualize Dawn Rags. And that is, what comes to mind is Jesus saying, you know, here here you are pulling a sliver out of someone else's eye when you have a beam in your own eye. And I think it's really important for us to remember and for students and parents to know as well that we can't do this if it's not prayerfully and if it's not humbly and if it's not us focusing on ourselves first and making sure because otherwise we just become hypocrites, you know? And in some ways that Dawn Rags can be that, where you're saying, you're doing X, Y, and Z, and you need to grow in this. And in my brain, I'm thinking, here's here are my faults that I see in you. Let's fix those. And I think it, it is really important for us to remember that we have to approach it from a good spirit of real love, real charity, and an understanding as, you know, I am a fellow sinner, right? I also have character flaws. You know, you're constantly having to look at your own yourself and think, you know, where do I need to grow? How do I, how do I evaluate myself? It really helps me to evaluate others because I, I'm used to doing it for myself. And I think that's really, really important. We need to be at least doing it for ourselves. Otherwise, how could we do it for others? I'm so glad you mentioned that because it really puts into perspective that the entire goal of every discipline that we hand down to our students is to form their souls, to dispose them towards heaven, to dispose them to choose the good, the true, and the beautiful, and to love the good, the true, and the beautiful. And we have to model that by being self-reflective upon ourselves. I mean, as educators, we don't have teachers who are handing down our discipline to us, so we really have to take that upon ourselves 
to do the self-reflection to say, am I really holding myself accountable to the same high standards that I'm holding my students accountable to? Now, we have different responsibilities and obligations as teachers than our students do, but to be really clear about, well, what is expected of me to be an excellent educator, to be excellent in the classroom? And of course, that means really modeling what it is to be an excellent Christian. Um, And we are all sinners, of course. So, just kind of being realistic about, about that fact, but then always challenging ourselves to be better, to push ourselves harder, to more ardently pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful, to hold ourselves to that high standard because we are holding our students to that as well. And if we can't be faithful to things like showing up on time, being prepared, being focused, then how are we ever going to be disposed for the kingdom? Which asks a lot more of us than to show up on time and be prepared because it's really heaven that's at stake. And so to model kind of relentless pursuit of goodness uh, in our own lives is going to model for our students that this is a worthy pursuit. It's worth committing our lives to. Do you have any last words? Do you want to tell us a fun last word story? Yes, I do. So I'll tell you a funny story and, and see if you enjoy that. So in class, I had one student who said something that was just so perfectly timed, so just right in the moment that I laughed and I said, you know what, you get extra credit for the day. And it was it was really funny because this student was not the typical, like the one who would speak up or anything, which is why I felt, you know, I wasn't actually going to give extra credit. I was just joking around, right? And another student, and this student was the person who, again, her, her sense of justice was just completely out of whack and she, not out of whack in the sense that she did it wrong, but in the sense that as soon as I said, you get one point of extra credit, she thought, that's not fair. You know, and so she got very upset and she said, no, you can't do that. You can't give him extra credit. Uh, and so what I did was I said, well, can you go grab me a Bible from the bookshelf, please? And she got up and she grabbed the Bible and I, I had her read the, par- the parable of the, uh, of the vineyard where the like worker, he, the workers come in and you know, at first they send them out in the morning and then he goes at noon and he sends more and he goes midday and he sends more and they come back and he pays them backwards so that they all get paid the same. <laughs> and as, as she's reading this, she's realizing like, oh no, <laughs> because by the end she's going to have to say, uh, who are you to tell me what I, what I can give and what I can't? You know, why, why are you upset when I'm being merciful when I'm giving you what's just? So that was, that was a, a good moment of, <laughs> yeah, justice. And so then did she accept? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, her dad, yes, uh, was very approving of the of the biblical message because he himself is a theologian and <laughs> it was very, very good. Awesome. Okay, well, that's it on another episode of The Outpost. Thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. You're the one paying, so. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget that you can support our school by finding us at patreon.com slash theoutpostak. The Outpost is to the world.